yourself some friends or you'll be lonely once I was seven years old. It was a big, big world, but we thought we were bigger. Pushing each other to the limits, we were learning quicker. By 11, smoking herb and drinking burning liquor. Never rich, so we were out to make that steady bigger. Once I was 11 years old, my daddy told me, go get yourself a wife or you'll be lonely. Once I was 11 years old. So I started writing songs, I started writing stories Something about that glory just always seemed to bore me Cause only those I really love will ever really know me Once I was 20 years old, my story got told Before the morning sun when life was lonely Once I was 20 years old Cause I know the smallest voices, they can make it major I got my boys with me, at least those in favor And if we don't meet before I leave, I hope I'll see you later Once I was 20 years old, my story got told I was written about everything I saw before me Woman brought children for me So I can sing them all my songs And I can tell them stories Most of my boys are with me Some are still out seeking glory And some I had to leave behind My brother, I'm still sappy Soon I'll be 60 years old My daddy got 61 Remember life and then your life Becomes a better one I made a man so happy When I wrote a letter once I hope my children come and visit Once or twice a month
You got a lot to be smiling for. So what the f*** you be wildin' for? If you're breathing, you achieving. We having fun this evening, believe it. That's right. All you should be smiling out there. Hey, welcome to Let's Talk on Block Talk Radio. I'm your host, Mr. Talk. How are you doing out there today? Everybody had a great week last week and a wonderful weekend. And we're back here one more again, one more time, to do this. Have a conversation about some of the things that's going on in our country, city, state, depending on where you live at. <laughs> yeah, depending on where you live at. Hey, we got another great show planned for you today. Uh, we're going to talk some more about the trial um, last week. Uh, Utah. Utah said dads are now going to be required to pay half of the out-of-pocket pregnancy costs. Yeah, we're going to talk a little bit about that as well. Those are the main two things we may get around to Joe Georgia voting law and a couple of other things. Uh, but that's what we're going to do today, and I'm glad to see you hanging out with me. Let me tell you how you can be a part of the show. If you want to say something, add something, you know, just call us at 347-838-8622. You can also email me at Eric Let's L-E-T-S, talk, gmail.com, uh, Facebook, Eric Let's Talk, and Instagram, Eric Let's Talk. Okay, so those are all the ways you can hang out with me, and I'll be more than happy to see you there. Um. Songs of the day, Luke Graham, Lil Duval, and Kane Brown. Not particularly in that order, but yeah. I don't know. I just felt like doing that today, mixing it up a little bit. <laughs> Y'all know me. I always say music will make you feel good no matter what. 
But it'll make you feel sad, too, sometimes. But anyway, that's neither here nor there. All right, so let's talk about some things here. Since we got time, we got time, we got time, we got time. We got time. Uh, this morning, this morning, um, the trial, before they even got started, there was a, um, a sidebar, I guess you can say. And it was simple. The defense wanted wanted the um, jurors sequestered. In other words, you know, put in put in one spot all together. You know, like COVID nineteen. <laughs> you know, till you know, no outside influences whatsoever. And the reason he wanted them to do that was because um, there was a shooting over the weekend, um, and ten miles away from where the trial being held. And um, yeah, this twenty year old kid was dead. Well, was dead, was killed, and um, it's coming out today that the officer said that they meant to pull the taser, not their weapon. Which, okay, that's a new one, but okay, all right. We, but we we're not even going there. <laughs> and anyway, the defense attorney worried about that maybe some unrest or no, basically that um. One member of the jurors from that city where the accident happened at, and others have connections to the city. And the defense attorney was worried about um, the unrest and the, act, the incident itself could uh, sway the jury's decision. In other words, they think about that when looking at um, Chauvin, and say, somebody's got to pay for all this, and basically say he's guilty on all charges. I know you say, ah, that wouldn't happen. But you have to remember, we're all human. We're all human. And if you're stuck on something and it's stuck in your head, a lot of times you will act on it. You know, I go by this thing, the five-second rule. If I don't do it within five seconds of me thinking about it, it's not going to be done anytime soon. Y'all to try that. It's a, it's a good good thing to practice. Um, I think... You can go on YouTube and find this um, lady doing TED Talk. Her name is Renee B. B9 or something like that. But, yeah, she calls it the five-second rule. And it's an outstanding rule to have, man. I really, It really works well once you really work toward implementing it, of course. Um, but anyway, back to <laughs> – I know I'm all over the place right now, right? Anyway, back to um, the trial. So that was that is what started off this morning. Um, then, of course, they had uh, the prosecution brought some more experts up or what have you. And really, not much has transpired than we haven't already heard. Okay? And that was another little sidebar the judge had with the attorneys. And basically, it was like, hey, you know, we done heard this over and over again. I, I, you know, the judge said, I mean, you know, given um, the, the state as you call it, the state, a little bit more um, room to negotiate than I should have. They basically ask very specific questions, and we don't want to hear nothing about a crowd or anything like that. So that that went on. <laughs> and we're going to hit on this crowd thing here in a little bit because I, I say, wow. Anyway, um. Bringing back George Floyd was was killed. Uh, now nah, I'm not even gonna say killed. George Floyd died 
after being um, arrested by police for allegedly passing a twenty a fake twenty dollar bill to get a pack of cigarettes. All right, and I know all many of you have seen the um, video where um, the interaction took place, and I know some of you have formed your own opinions, and I don't know how many followed the trial, but hmm. anyway, that's why the show is called Reasonable Doubt. Um, anyway, so. That is where we are. So, but it is a few things came out last week that really piqued my interest and made me say, "Oh, never saw that." So, and I told y'all before, it as I watched the trial, you know, it's just little things like that that pop out. You know, just pop out. You're like, "Oh, never thought about that." Number one, the biggest thing was Shobin's knee. May have been on the shoulder blade, okay, on the shoulder blade. That what the defense attorney, you know, showed in a big, big blow up for the scene that the knee was on the, they say the back or the shoulder blade and not necessarily um, all the weight just placed on the neck alone. Now, depending on what angle you're looking at the, the video, you can get both, you can get both um, conclusions. You can give both conclusions now from the 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 point of uh, the spectators on the sidewalk that were filming you know you just get that one shot and it looks like the knee is directly completely on the neck hmm but the interesting thing about that even if it was on the neck do you know that um one of the experts that testified actually said you you apply more pressure without with just partial knee on the neck than you would with full because you put place more of your body weight down to hold the person down. Which never thought about that. Never thought about that. Derek Chauvin's hands were not in his pocket. Remember that's all we were saying. Well, he was sitting there. Well, that's all I was saying. He was sitting there with with his hands in his pocket on his knee. Well, come to find out, I was wrong. It's the way he had his hand cuffed with the black gloves on that gave the the appearance that his hands were in his pocket when actually they were on his upper thigh. Now, you can apply more pressure like that than you can with it in your pocket. So. That was interesting as well. I, I thought it was because I never even considered the hand being outside the pocket because that is supposedly what I had saw with my eyes. And yes, swayed a little weight, a little bit by um, uh, um, media and those others who saw, you know. So yeah, I missed that. But that's interesting as well. Um, as I said, the trainers, you know, they all testified that Chauvin, you know, he taking courses on CPR, crisis intervention, and disface escalation training. He took a course in 2019. So the prosecution is basically showing that he's had all the training. He knows what 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 is legal and what is not. And he went out and did this. But anyway. And another interesting thing that the defense tried to bring up was the crowd, crowd, um, the size of the crowd and what the crowd was doing. 
Now, if you see the video, there's one about seven people there at the most, about seven, I think. Really wasn't that large. Yeah, they were yelling, check his post, and man, get off his neck, and so forth and so on. But did, did they pose an immediate threat to Chauvin and his fellow officers? Did they? Or were they uh, 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 using <laughs> their freedom of speech and uh, uh, um, using their freedom of speech? <laughs> That's what we're looking at, isn't it? But, yeah, so they're trying to get, you know, get that taken care of. And the interesting thing about that is the judge, that's one of the things the judge said this morning was, no, we're not going to be talking, we, we're not going to be talking about anything, but uh, how the crowd could react or what, you know, um, actions the officers could have taken because of the crowd. We're not talking about any of that today. We heard all that already. So, yeah, that's where it is. That's that's where the trial is. Um, of course, you had the two medical examiners, um, Dr. Andrew Baker and Dr. Lindsey Thomas. They both said, you know, even if he had pre-existing conditions, you know, and drug use, the eventual subdual and restraint by law enforcement is what caused. Yeah, yeah, because it just forced his heart and lungs not to work. Now that's what the, the um, yeah, the medical examiners came, you know, said on the sand, and you know, as you look into the trial and and say, okay, I don't know, with all this new stuff coming out, especially about the the, the maybe show the blade hand not in the pocket, what have you. Does that give, do you think that would get, that gives the jury enough reasonable doubt to not convict them on all charges? Chauvin, convict Chauvin on all charges. Something to think about, huh? If you were sitting there in the jury and you heard all this testimony, what would you say? What, what would your thought be at this point? At this point, because you know we can't really see what's going to happen down in the future. But at this point, would you convict Derek Chauvin or would you let him walk or just get him on some of the charges? Interesting, huh? <laughs> I know, because I'm sitting here thinking about like, wow, that would be hard to sit there and, and oh, man, yeah. So, you know, we're going to continue to watch and bring you updates, man. Because this is very interesting. Now, let me show you, tell you, because, you know, I like to give a little information in now and then. And under Minnesota law, the prosecution must prove only, listen to this, only that Chauvin's conduct was one substantial causal factor to Floyd's death. Okay. Chauvin can still be found guilty if his conduct was only one of several factors that contributed to Floyd's death. Y'all hear that, right? Now, so with the, let me just reading that to you. Think about that now. Think about it. From what you have heard so far, that, yes, George Floyd had 
some drugs in the system, which one of the doctors said had begun to metabolize in, in, in his body, which meant basically started to break down. So, you know, if you're looking at it from a, a medical term or if you one of them weed heads or what have you, you know, you know, he, he, he wasn't as high as they make it seem. Now, he may have been high. We don't know that. We, you know, we would never know that really. But the thing is, the drug, the fentanyl, had begun to metabolize in the system, metabolize in the system. Okay? Now, you have medical examiners saying, well, yeah, he did. He had a heart um, disease. Then the doctor says something very interesting. They say, well, yeah, most of us sitting in this in this room right here, um, can have clogged arteries, have some type of heart disease. That was important as well. You know, taking some of the the seriousness or the sting out of George Floyd having heart disease. Because remember, at one time there were the, the the defense was claiming that George Floyd died from his con- conditions. So that's, I think that was very important for the medical examiner to put out there. Made people think, well, I could too, and I could have some what he had, but I'm still walking around. Hmm. And some other things Floyd had, but the bottom line is, did Chauvin's and his fellow officers' actions did were they one of the causes or the main cause for the death of George Floyd? So that's where we are, and that's what we're trying to they're trying to set up now. Um, yeah. It's, it's quite an interesting trial. It really is. If you, you know, if maybe if you go back, look at the video after a day's listening to the testimony, you go back and look again, you know, you may get a different outlet. I mean, outlook on what exactly was taking place. You ever do that? I do sometimes. I do sometimes. So yeah, that's, that's what's happening. That's what's happening in the trial. As you see, you know, not much spectacular anymore because I think, you know, most of, most of the shock and awe is, is gone now. So, you know, it's just a day-to-day grind. <laughs> Excuse me, and I will be keeping you abreast. Now, let's talk about this thing down in Utah. Let's see. This is an interesting um, development, I guess you should say. You could say it's a very interesting development. Um, simply because I thought this was something that went on anyway. I didn't know that a lot of fathers out there wasn't, you know, meeting their financial obligations. Well, I'm not going to tell that. Yeah, yeah, I know it was something I did, but, you know, I thought everybody, every state had a law like this. But anyway, Utah dads to be required to pay half of the out-of-pocket pregnancy costs. Uh-huh. Um, they say they proposed the bill to help de- decrease the burden of pregnancy on women and increase responsibility for men who have children. Okay. The bill would apply to pregnant women's health insurance and any pregnancy-related medical costs. If paternity is disputed, because I know Joe would bring this up, if paternity is disputed, the father will not be required to pay until paternity is established. Father will not be responsible for abortion costs 
if an abortion is done without his consent. See, that's another one Joe would like to get on. Um, next one, unless it is necessary to prevent the death of the mother or the pregnancy was the result of rape. So that's basically what this this, this bill in Utah is um, about. And I, I find it very interesting. And y'all know I could skip saying Joe would, would do this, do that. Some of these things, I was thinking the same thing. Um, to help decrease the burden of pregnancy on women and increase responsibility for men who have children. Now, that's what the, you know, that's one of the things. And I, it's interesting because the responsibility for men. And my my take on that is, if you're a man and you're not taking, if you you have a kid, child, and you're able to take care of it, and you're not then no, you're not a man yet. You're not. Yes, sirs. I know there's some things out there and they, you know, they do try and do you, but yeah. So, you know, the, the overall wording in this bill, I I agree with it. I, I, I can agree with it. And, but the biggest thing I think I really like about it is if the father Wait a minute. Hold on. Wait a minute. What is it? If paternity is disputed, in other words, I'm not sure, you're not sure that's your child, then no. No, 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 no. I can't pay for it. No. Now, it didn't say, it didn't give a, a time um, time limit or nothing like that as far as when paternity must be um, established. Yeah, established. You know, the question about that is, so if you're going to say, no, it's not my child, no, it's not my child, all the way through pregnancy, right? The lady has, the woman has the baby. Do you still have to pay? Will you still be responsible for those pre-pregnancy costs? Especially if, you know, DNA tests come back and it is your child. Or is that it's you know given, you know yeah you're gonna have to do that. Or is it done voluntarily? Could you say that'd be a loophole? Maybe you think that'd be a loophole? I think it may be a loophole. I really do. But that's just a thought process. It's a thought process. Yeah. But I I, I really did like that one, and. Um, unless it is necessary, and we didn't have some big discussions on the show about this, unless it is necessary to, no, no, I'm sorry. If the father would not be responsible for abortion costs, if an abortion is done without his consent. Now, as I said before, we have had big, big time discussions on this thing in abortion. And should the father, you know, have some say so on whether the, um, the young lady will, or the woman, uh, the female species, um, the real female species um, <laughs> have an abortion without letting the father know. You know, there's some that say, yeah, he shouldn't know. It's her body, blah, 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 blah. And there's some that say, yeah, he should know because he should have, you know, some type of decision in that. And you know what? I agree. I agree. I agree. I think the father should have um some type of, uh, um, word I'm looking for here, some type of uh, 
interaction ended with the decision on whether or not to get the abortion. Uh, that's what I think. What's up, Potter? And, and, you know, I think it should make it a law. If the mother wanted an abortion, I know for those that say, this her body, she's going to do what she wants to. Okay, fine. But just have the father in the room with her then, the so-called father in the room. So she your child. Um, many cases of abortion would just go drop when both so-called parents would have to be in the room while the, you know, the abortion was being done. That would be wow. I know I, I kind of have a sick mind sometimes, but don't you think that'd be interesting? Yeah, that would be very interesting. But yeah, I'm one of those who believe that man should have some say so about an abortion. I, I really do. I really do. But yes, as I said before, there are those there are there are those people out there that say, Nope, it's not his decision, it's not his body. Okay. <laughs> yeah, we we're not gonna try and get into that. Um Let's see what else. Uh, that that was basically it, the gist of it. And of course, I've always said, you know, um, if a crime like pregnant, like rape happened, and the young lady got was um, pregnant, I would just, yeah, <laughs> yeah, let her do what she do. But then again, you know, when they catch her, whoever did it, they ought to make them pay. Don't you think they ought to make them pay? So yeah. So that was that's what's going on in Utah. That's what's going on in Utah. I I, I kind of like that bill myself. I really do. But we shall see. We shall see. Now, it's something I, I wanted to. I didn't think I would get to, but I, I just got to bring it out because I'm working on instinct right now. Hey, there's a shooting in Minneapolis over the weekend, and I mentioned it earlier in the show, 10 miles from where the trial for um, Chauvin is being held and there was a shooting and the young man died he was shot by law enforcement a police officer who said that they meant to pull out the taser and not their weapon their pistol and we can see I can see that happening but that's not why I'm talking about this I'm talking about this is because I mean before I move on, let's let's really look at this. Let's really really look at this. How many times can you see this happening, happen, and yet you hear all the different excuses? Do you become numb to all of it? At one point, do you say, "Well, there's another one," and move on? Like this recent rash of mass shootings. seems like every year at a certain time, there's a boatload of mass shootings, and they go away for a while. Then they pop up all over again. And what's, what is our response to that now? Well, there's another crazy. I wonder who it was. I think that's more people's response to anything. I wonder who it was. Were they white? Were they black? Were they Muslim? Were they Christian? 
you know, after saying that, that sounds so, so shallow, doesn't it? But that's what we do. That's what we are. As a society. Now, we have to have, for lack of a better word, clarification. We just have to check those blocks. So when we decide to make our argument, whether we were against it or for it, we have some type of facts. So we can interject our predetermined um, knowledge of what we know. Pound and chat room say, why do you think we are so susceptible to manipulation? Well, Pound, it, 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 you know, it comes down to this is the way we've been trained. And I chose the word trained. This is the way we have been conditioned, programmed from childhood. Think about it, from childhood. And, and if you want to move now to your person, you know, now in person life, think about your kids and stuff that you manipulate, you know, yeah. You manipulate or you con into doing some things that you know usually they wouldn't do. You know, nothing that you would punish them for, of course, but you understand what I'm saying. So it is practice on us from childhood, whether knowingly or unknowingly. It is. So as we um, grow and slightly, quote unquote, become more knowledgeable, as the you know some like to say, we're more susceptible to um, manipulation and susceptibility. Think about it. Yeah. When you get when you were getting shots as a kid, the doctor or whatever would play with the kids or or if you're an adult, they try and talk to you about mundane things, mundane things, then they stick you in the arm or wherever with the needle. Okay. Pedro says specifically manipulation towards things that work against our own best interests. Wow. Now, see, that that's an interesting question, and I have my thoughts on that as well. The children weren't vaccinated. My children weren't vaccinated. Okay. That's cool. That's cool. I have no problem with those that want to be vaccinated and those that don't want to be, but that's your choice. It's a choice. Now, back to our best, our own best interests, we have been taught that others – such as our leaders have our best interests at heart. So we're taught to believe what they tell us. If we elect them, they go and work for us, so forth and so on. In our governments, that's supposed to be for the people, but it turns out it's more for the politicians than the people. And the lobby groups and corporations and things of that nature. Yeah. From uh, elementary on up, we get we get told how the government is supposed to work. All these great people that has been in our government and how, what they did and blah blah, and how it was great for the country and great for the citizens. Well, that is that is, and some people they really don't care. 
doesn't affect their little bubble, they can care less of what's about going on outside their bubble. And sadly enough, that's the way the United States is. If it's not in our little bubble, they wouldn't care. They wouldn't care. That's the way it is. That's who we are. That's who we are. It's not a big secret anymore. Some people just don't care. And others can't do enough about it. (laughs) You know, it's like the Dallas Cowboys trying to win a Super Bowl. Again, not going to happen because people are just who we are. We are taught that our bubble is what's more important than anything else. Hmm. That's interesting, isn't it? That's why we make such a a big, big fuss over um, firefighters, Law off police officers, uh, EMTs, ambulance drivers, those that give more of themselves because they are they do have the interests of the people because they're out serving them. But I think we've run into a couple of cases now where some of them don't have the interests of the people. Maybe <laughs> it wasn't that a contradiction. But yeah, that's. That's why we give so much praise to those individuals because we perceive them as the majority of them, okay, at working for the best interests of the community. Now, when you start about, start talking about Congress, the president, uh, all these other individuals, that you know, think after once or twice being, you know, basically – uh, bamboozled, things would have changed. But we know it didn't. It's the same thing. And you have to understand, when them politicians like that get up that high, you know, there's there's people who help them get there, and they want theirs first. They want theirs first. They do. They want theirs first. The interesting thing is most citizens they don't even realize realize that much. They don't. They don't realize that. Don't think they know is I voted for him. Why did you vote for him? Because I like what he was saying. Okay, but who was the donors? Who was backing him? They had Republican or Democrat on the sign or by their name on, on the ballot, would you have voted for them then? you talking about total chaos. Just imagine if we did that, if this country did that. Just took the Democrat Republic, political affiliation off the ballots and just had you vote for a person. Can you? Could you imagine the chaos and the complaints? Could you imagine that? That would be so interesting. Then you would actually have to find out who 
really represent you. Represent you. It would. But that would be so much fun. But it won't happen. I'm not going to say never, but it it won't happen in our lifetime because it's the preconditioning part of it that has has to maintain the programming part that has to be maintained. It's the programming part that has been grown and has been shown to be a very successful um, pr- program from the start of this thing. You have to be affiliated with one or the other. Like the primaries. You know, if you Republican, they give you all Republican ballot. If you're Democrat, they give you all Democrat. If you're independent, depending on what state you're in, you have to make a choice either or. Either or. And I've talked about this before. That is the craziest thing in the world. Just give me a ballot with all the names on it. But that goes against the pre-programming thing that that makes us uh, wants to hold want to hold people feet to the fire, our representatives feet to the fire, so they will have our best interests at heart. And don't get me wrong, there's some of them that do. I mean, there are some of our representatives that actually do have a uh, the people's the people I shouldn't say people's the people interest this interest at heart. The problem is they run into people like Nancy Pelosi, um dang it, what's that man? McConnell, Schumer, Lindsey Graham. They're running the individuals like that that's been over and running that they put a stranglehold on you, especially if you're brand new. You have no clout, no juice. So now the the only the question is, are you, the new representative, going to fall in line and go with the flow? Or are you going to continue to fight, go against the tide, go against what everybody else wants? That's interesting, isn't it? That decision alone. And no matter what happens, what new blood comes in there, you have them same old heads up there at the top. There's there's no way you're going to get any type of change. That is why they were so mad at um, the, the squad. Now, some of the things the squad say, yeah, I didn't agree with. Some of they said I did agree with. And, so, you know, it is what it is. I'll tell you, if it's, I go with it or I don't. But the biggest problem is they were going against the ebb and flow. They were going against the tide. Trying to shake some things up. And we know what happens in this country when you try to shake things up. They come after you. Don't stop. And we've talked about that process on the show as well. You know, character assassination. You know, attack your personal life. 
Then they try and sit you down and tell you, just be quiet. And if you don't do any of that, then, well, (laughs) you mysteriously disappear. I'm talking about in the government now, in the government, in higher levels of government. But that is that is exactly what happens. That's, that is exactly what happens. So, Peta, in other words, um, we have to work for our own best interest, our own best interest, because if we rely on anybody else, we'll never get anything that's for us, you know? All right. Let me see who I got here. I got somebody who want to talk to me. See what we want to talk about today. All right, Eric Code 647. Welcome to the show. Who do I have here and what you have for me? Hey, this is Patrick. Um, you know, it, it sounds like what you're what you're describing is a big game of good cop, bad cop. <laughs> so yeah. you have the people that are at the top, and as long as they can get us, um, it doesn't matter whether we go for one side or the other. They have us, right? right. Um, and they can just sit back and, and play this game of good cop, bad cop forever. Exactly. I mean, we can go through this forever. I mean, we can say, hey, this, <laughs> this side, the, the, you know, the team I'm on does all the good stuff and the other team does the bad stuff and the people on the other side, no, we do all the good stuff and you do all the bad stuff. Like, you can do this forever. <laughs> I mean, this is a, right. I mean, as far as the scheme, this is a great scheme. I mean, if I was a politician and and I was just concerned about my, my, my own well-being and my own financial well-being and, and, and my political standing and all that, I, this would be great. If I was that kind of person, <laughs> this would be absolutely wonderful. I, I mean, I could, I, could, I could play this game and play a role from now until I die if that was the case. And I, I think that's what it, it comes down to is that it's a big case. It's a big thing of good cop, bad cop. Um, exactly. They tell you when to dump. Remember the woman when this whole thing about the flag was going on, the the, um, the Confederate flag. I don't know. It was a big hubbub about the Confederate flag years ago. And um, CNN was making a big deal. Oh, the races and the Confederate flag. We got to get rid of the Confederate flag. And this mm-hmm. black woman actually tried, was trying to climb a pole to get rid of the flag. <laughs> she could have hurt herself. She could have got up high enough and then fell and killed herself. Mm-hmm. And here's the, here's the scary thing. She drove by this flag every day almost. <laughs> but when CNN, when CNN gave the trigger, it was almost like, you know, a Mancurian candidate. It was like, get it. And then she just went and tried to climb. Not, no other day did she try to do this. No other no day other she day. thought it was that big of a deal to do it. But when CNN came on and said, you must do it day after day after day, then that's when she went and did it. Hmm. It was incredible. Hmm. I was like, whoa, like, she didn't pay attention to it before. She knew what the Confederate flag. We all knew what it what it what it was in the history. And she passed by and drove by it frequently. But when frequently. CNN gave the order, mm-hmm. yeah, because it was near her. It wasn't. It was like on her way to work or something like that. And she went and climbed the pole and tried to take it down. Hmm. It was almost like hypnosis. It was absolutely. So I think, I think the thing is, first of all. 
unfortunately and realistically, we're going to have to get out of the notion of we're all going to agree and we're all going to move at the same time in the same direction. Just not going to happen. Yes, right. Just not going to happen, right? There have been studies mm-hmm. done that says that even revolutions are started, organized and started, by only 3.5% of any group or population. Hmm. So it's not like you have to have in the beginning a mass movement. And then I think the study says that after a while, there's a certain other percentage that comes on after there's some momentum. The rest comes on, you know, um, the rest of the people come. But it started by three and a half percent of any group Hmm. population. Now, just think about that. It just has to be three and a half percent of the right people. That's hmm. all. That's all. Yeah. The other people are not going to come on until there's momentum, until it's already in movement. And then they'll come mm. on, is what the study shows. Mm-hmm. Right? So right. then another certain percent will come on after that, and then another certain percentage will come on after it gets so much further, that kind of thing. Right? Mm-hmm. Right. Um, so I can understand so that. It doesn't, yeah. So it doesn't, and that makes sense to a certain degree. Right, so it, it it doesn't need to be a lot. We just need a few people to get together and say, "What is it that we want? What is it that we want? Have we even figured it? How can we do anything until we figure that out first? <laughs> yeah. We can't figure yeah. out. We can we can have a discussion, like I said, for the next hundred years, and we can go round and round. Until we figure out what it is we actually want and are actually, I mean, what's the end goal? What does the end goal look like? What does it look like? What does it smell like? What does it taste like? What What is the end goal? Hmm. You know? Right. Then we'll keep going around. We'll keep going around and saying things like, oh, we want better education. A 10-year-old hmm. can come up with that. Better. What, what What do you mean by better education? What? Let's just put some meat on those bones. What's the curriculum right. like? What are the children learning at what age and what grade? What are they learning? Why are they learning it? And what are the future prospects hmm. for them right. for learning these things? All those things need to be fleshed out, right? Right. So I think you, I agree have with to, that. you have to figure out what it is you want first. Now we can go get it. But as long as we don't we leave it undefined. I mean, we won't have to define it down to the last detail, but we need to have some kind of idea of what it is we're fighting for. Gil Scott Heron said in the song Winter in America, he says, there's a line that says, nobody's fighting because nobody knows what to save. Hmm. That's a deep line right there. <laughs> right? We don't know what we're fighting for. We don't know. We haven't talked about it. Let's have a discussion. I think there needs to be a discussion on, okay, if we can clear this thing up and we can have the kind of society or neighborhood or community or whatever we want, whatever it is that we want, what would it look like? What would the Mm -hmm. old people be doing? How would we be taking care of them? How would the children be taken care of and educated? How we would kind of do that? How would we interact with each other? Right? Hmm. right. <laughs> what kind of jobs will we be doing? <laughs> what kind of, where, where's our place in the future? Right. right. 
Like when we right. start figuring out our own utopia, then we can say, hey, that's that right there. That's what we're going towards right there. Now we can start planning. Mm. Now we can start the planning. Now we know what we're fighting for. Hmm. And I think Would that's have- the problem. We've lost our way. Hmm. Let me ask you a question. Do you think um, in order to get there, um, those individuals that get this thing started will have to have some type of, uh, I guess, notion that they there is going they are going to have to compromise a little to reach this utopia? Do you think that that would be? Because I think that's part of the problem. Nobody's willing to compromise. You know, it's who gets the best the best of the deal and. In a lot of cases, that's why we still stuck where we are. What do you think about that? Patrick, you still there? Okay, Patrick must have muted himself. Oh, sorry about that. Yeah, so I don't oh, think okay. it would be as I don't think it would be as much of a compromise as you think. Okay. Because we're talking about things. Now, there will be some. Don't get me wrong. This is not going to be an easy road. No, no stretch of the imagination. But I think you have to be clever. Hmm. And I think you have to be smart. And I think you have to be cunning. <laughs> I think you have to be all these things because, because you're trying to do something big. And because you're behind the eight ball and you are at a disadvantage, then you, you can't come up with a full frontal assault. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right, right. You can't come up ah, straight up the middle. It's not going to work. <laughs> it's not going to work, yeah. <laughs> you got you to you got, you got, you got be clever, right? Um, so, yeah, I think, I think, and I, I think we have the brain power. And I think once we figure out what we want, we have. We'll get the will to do it. I think a lot of people are clamoring right now to do something. They just don't know what, right? Hmm. So they do a mm-hmm. fallback. Um, okay, we'll just vote our way out of this, right? Or they look for some, as what nearly fully called, maximum leader, right? right. The maximum leader is going to save us, right? Right, right. You know, which never works. Never then, works. No. <laughs> you know, You're it, right about that. It, it never works. Because even if the person is all who you think they are, can you protect them? Hmm. We have, hmm. It has been proven that we cannot. Yes. That's, that's a fact. <laughs> that's been proven. That's a history. fact. We can't protect them. Right. So that doesn't work. You know, so right. maybe we're all the leader in our own way. If you have a skill, if you have a, a, a something you can do, hey, you're a leader of who? You're a leader of yourself, and you're a leader of what you do. A lot, a lot more difficult to kill a million leaders than it is to kill one. <laughs> Another another deep statement. You're right. You're absolutely right. But our programming has hasn't taught us that. And some of us just don't believe it. 
We have to, we have to, to a lot of people, are leaders being in front of the cameras, you know, making these great speeches, uh, uh, you know, doing all this heroic stuff. But that's, that's not, you know, that's just the, the, how can I put it? The visual part of it, you know, to be a real leader, you don't have to do any of that. You, you don't have to do any of that. You know, you just go out there and feed people without putting it on uh, Facebook Live and what's the other one? Uh, whatever the, the, the sites are, Instagram. You know, yeah, yeah. That that is a leader. Yeah, you can be showing the kids in the neighborhood how to do woodwork when they get out of school in the afternoon in your garage. Nobody has to know all that, but believe it or not, you're being a leader. So I understand what you're saying, Patrick. I, I really do. Now, correct me if I'm wrong. I'm on the wrong, you know, street there, but I think that's basically what you're saying, correct? Yeah, that's exactly what I'm saying. You know, you just have to be, you have to, you have to be your only, and then we can come together. The person that knows how to put up the drywall in that old school that we we're gonna renovate and build it into a new school, that broken out that school that's closed, that little public school down the street on the corner that's no longer. And we talk them into getting it, and we are able to get to school and start we start building it up. The person that does the drywall can tell us how it should be put up, right? Can can tell right. the person who's in construction can tell us, no, you don't want that insulation. You want this insulation for this reason, right? Mm-hmm. They're steering right. in a certain direction. They're a leader in what they do. Another person is writing the curriculum. They have the a gift for copywriting, right? So they can go and start writing things up on how things are going to be done. You know, some people, so everybody's got something. And if they're just willing to help, then they're in de facto a leader. A different, everybody's a different kind of leader. Everybody's got a little something. Right. right? A little something. You have a, right. skill to, you have a skill to be on here on, on blog talk radio, which means you have a role to play. And once everything is put together, we can say, hey, can we talk about these things or can we pull these people together or can we pull some more blog talk people together to talk and, and, and maybe, you know, because we have something that we want to get out there or we want have something we want to get done or whatever, right? Correct, right. And then, then you do that. And guess what? The, little, the effort or your part that's in it, you're the leader of that. You're the person to call about that, <laughs> right? <laughs> right. Being a leader is not the flashy. The, the being a leader is not the flashy thing. Being Correct. a leader is a lot of boring stuff. There's a lot of meetings. There's a lot of writing things down. There's a lot of planning. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's the majority of what it is. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> wow. But you're right. You're absolutely right. You are absolutely right. Being a leader, you know, knowing who else to, to get involved in the project and what have you. Yeah, but you're absolutely right. And we all we all have that special skill. We do. You know, I often say it, you know, if you take some of those uh, uh, dealers off the corners and put them, you know, give them a little bit, you should probably with the business run because they are actually entrepreneurs. They're counting money, putting out product, you know, and make sure they stay supplied and stocked to, you know, treat their customers. I know that was a crude example to use, but I think that's the simplest way of, of putting it. 
and a lot of them are looked up. I mean, a lot of them aren't bad, bad people per se. You know, they're they're not. They're just trying to make a living. You know, right. They are. But it was, you know, so. But you know, the interesting thing about that. Now, and I'm going a little sideways here for a moment, but we'll let you bring it back, Patrick. But the thing is, now somebody realized that this is a pretty good business here. So what do we see happening now? Legalization of marijuana um, in yep. a lot of the states. Yep. But these guys, they, they had figured it out a long time ago. So, yeah. 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 <laughs> you know, it just... Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, this is the kind of thing I'm telling you. So, so, yeah, we 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 should have seen that one coming. And guess who's still locked up and behind bars for 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 using it or 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 or, or selling it back in the day? People still behind yeah. bars behind that. And it, still behind and they bars. Got, and they, it's illegal now. People all smoking it in the street now. <laughs> Woo! Yeah. yeah. That's amazing. We, but we hold on, I got I, huh? Go go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. I, I got no, another I'm caller wanna come in. Yeah, yeah, bring in the other caller. Go ahead. All right, let's see who we have it. Triple one, welcome to the show. Who do I have here and what you got for me? Hey Eric, how you doing? What's going on, Joe? Uh, same old, same old. You know, um uh the caller brought up a good point. What about those people who have been in jail? For smoking some weed, and now that it's legal, should they be granted their freedom on a retroactive basis? I never thought about that before. Hmm. You know, there are actually some states um, that are actually looking into that. I, I remember reading about it a couple of months ago. Well, some states, you know, that are beginning to legalize marijuana are uh-huh. looking into, you know, um, that precise. Action right there. Um, I haven't heard anything further about it, but yeah, a lot of a lot of them are beginning to think that way as well, Joe. Like, yeah, we can't have it legal and still have them locked up for it, you know. Yeah. So, yeah, but of course, yeah. you know that, yeah. that 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 one of them tricky things that if that's only what they went in for, yeah, I say get them out of there. But if you know it's some other stuff tacked to it, then I don't know. <laughs> you yeah, know I guess that is Hey, I remember this voice. <laughs> Joe used to be you. Joe used to be a regular on the show. If this is the same one. It gotta be because there's only one person I know with this voice. I've ever heard with this voice. Used yep, to be a regular him. on the show called, called the that's Married him. Men Don't Punk Show. Remember that? Um, Joe? Well, <laughs> what was the name of the show? Married Men Don't Talk. Married. Oh yeah, Married Men. Yeah, that was a good show about <laughs> relationships. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, it was. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, it was headed up by people who were by um, people who were pastors or were very, very religious, and they were talking about their particular problems within the marriages, um, not being specific, but talking about certain certain um, if not instances of certain behavior patterns that would you know that could be um, replicated in other marriages. Yeah, it was um, it was an interesting show. I didn't know if it was on. I don't know if it was still on the air or not. Yeah. You no, know, no, no, since, it's not on it. no? Mm. Since, since we're talking about marriage, you know, <laughs> let's get to the before marriage or sometimes during marriage. Well, during marriage, I don't think it counts. Um, this Utah law, 
I talked about earlier in the show. Did either one of you hear what I was talking about? What it said, the father. No. Um, no. Yeah. Uh, the father is will be required to pay half the pre-pregnancy costs. Where is it at? I have to find it in my notes again now. Yeah, it was interesting. I and I my my thought process was I thought they did that. Men did that already. Well, if you're married, yeah. But if you're not married, no. I'm talking about if you're not married. Yeah, if you're not married, you're gonna have to pay pregnancy pre-pregnancy. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, they're trying to stick men with every damn thing that's available, isn't it? <laughs> Jesus Christ! <laughs> yeah, that's, that's that's a bit that's a bit much. You think that's so? That's a bit much because, uh, I mean, it depends, right? Because now you're talking situation. Now you're talking situation. So, what if a guy doesn't want the pregnancy? She does. Okay, so he. Here's here's what the the, the um the bill says. Um, Utah dads to be required to pay half of the out of pocket pregnancy costs, and basically to help decrease the burden of pregnancy on women of pregnancy on women and increase responsibility for men who have children. Um, the bill would apply to a pregnant woman's health insurance and any pregnancy related costs. If paternity is disputed, the father will not be required to pay until paternity is established. The father will not be responsible for abortion costs if an abortion is done without his consent. I know Joe loves that. Unless it is necessary to prevent the death of a mother or the pregnancy was the result of rape. You know, basically that's the the big just of it, of the bill. Yeah. No, so, this is, this is if this is if the two people don't live together or are not together. Like I don't. Well, like, see, I don't, that, I don't that, 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 go ahead. If, if two if two people are if two people are dating, let's say, and there's a pregnancy, and they have an agreement, she's going to pay for it or whatever. Maybe she makes more money or whatever. Like I don't know. Is this just if she files for it or like I, I don't, I don't yes. know. Yes, the woman the woman will have to file for it. If they're not, I, I, from what I've read and the vagueness of it in certain spots, I'm, I'm taking this like uh, premarital uh, relationships, you know, boyfriend, girlfriend type of stuff. You're not living together or you're not married, I guess, you know, from what the article said. It didn't specify, but that's what I'm thinking because I'm like, okay, if they're living together and they're married, I don't see why he wouldn't participate. Right. But if, exactly. Yeah, but if... Yeah. if you know, if they're they're not living together and they just you know have a one night stand, and maybe that's what is you know, one night you know one night stands and the woman get pregnant and you know she, she low income totem pole and she has to go through all these you know examinations, right, especially nonsense. if the baby have a problem, huh? Yeah, this is nonsense. This is more of a putting a putting burden on men again. They were also talking about years ago about what would happen if you were married. You got divorced, right? You were paying alimony, but let's say she got married again, or the um, uh, the deadline for paying the mal- alimony ran out, and now she is on um, she's unemployed and maybe she's facing eviction, etc. Now they're trying they were trying to pin that on men again. They were trying to make him 
responsible for her welfare, even though they've been divorced for 20 years or so. And then even um, outside of that, they were trying to tack on new stuff on the single people. Dig this. Guy and a girl date, right? Three or four dates later, he doesn't want to date her anymore. They were seriously thinking about allowing her to sue him for emotional distress. This is not... <laughs> Are you for real? I am serious. Oh, wow. That's interesting. Okay. So those two instances, um, I don't... What about the one in which there were two doctors involved? Two doctors who knew about the human anatomy. What happened was... They did. They went to bed, but they didn't have intercourse. She gave him, you know, on your show, you don't want me to say it, but it was oral sex, right? So, right. But happened, what did she do? She took the, um, the jism. She didn't swallow. She goes into the bathroom. She puts it in a, I guess, in a balloon. She takes it home. She now injects herself with it, gets pregnant, and the guy has to pay paternity. <laughs> that choked me. Oh my goodness! All right. I think I remember something. I, I think I remember something about that. And the yeah. judge ruled that it wasn't. Uh, it was a gift, not that she stole it. Okay, not that they had agreed that they were doing this in order, you know, not to have any kind of pregnancy whatsoever. Right. But it was a gift. Well, I mean, it kind of was a gift, Joe. He just didn't see, you know, see oh, yeah. to the final disposal. <laughs> oh, all right. Okay. I mean, I, I mean it's not funny, but this, that kind of stuff is funny to me because you're like, who will actually go all of I mean, really? Two Golly. doctors. Right. Okay. Who will really go through all that? Somebody who wants the money, somebody who either wants to plant revenge, or somebody who wants to try to think that by having a kid, she can now become closer to the dad. Maybe he'll marry her. Whatever the motivations are, they're not rational. Well, who said rational ration had to do anything with it? That's right, it didn't. <laughs> yeah. I mean, not at all. <laughs> not at all. Yeah. That that is crazy. But back to the Utah thing, right. I, I found some of it. Good. I like the part about the paternity, you know. But my, uh, earlier in the show, I asked the question though. So can he just you know fight for paternity all the way till the child is born, and then once the DNA is proven that it's his, would he be required to go back and have to back pay? Probably. You know. Yeah. 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 That's in. The, but here's one I know you like, Joe. Oh yeah. Um, <laughs> Yeah. Wait a minute. Hold on, because because it has something to do with it. And I thought about you when when I read it. Um, here it is. The father would not be responsible for abortion costs if an abortion is done without his consent. And you know me and you, ah. we, we had a conversation yeah. on here. Yeah. Yeah. You know. So if she's going to get a divorce, uh, an abortion, and she doesn't tell him, she can't stick him with that cost. Yeah, yeah. See, I I I kind of like that. I, I really oh, do. I, I like that. I like that a lot. <laughs> yeah. Do, do you guys think? Do you think? Do you think they're intentionally trying to keep people from getting married? Like, are you? Do you think they're intentionally trying to make it so ridiculous 
that. Of course. People are just not, just turn away because people have been turning away, especially men. Men have been turning away from this and saying, no, thank you. No, thank you. Young men are saying, nope, 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 not doing it. Um, yeah. And I just wondered if you guys thought it was intentional. Or I think so. Of course. I mean, Joe doesn't watch the boob too, but if you watch some of these programs and boob too, all of them about single parents, you know, or, you know, once a couple getting a divorce and then, you know, they become successful on their own and what have you. And it has been shown that uh, this generation coming up, you know, that's not their biggest thing. Marriage is not their biggest goal in life anymore. It's a career. You know, back in the day, you know, that's what you were taught. I want to get married and have kids and have yeah. a house, blah, blah, blah. Well, this generation is not even on that level. You know, they're all about their careers, you know, the gaming and whatever, you know, everything else. Even even the average age of sex, you know, first having your sexual counter has gone up. And it's just, I don't know. I don't know. I'm a conspiracy theorist, so I believe there's a concerted plan to depopulate the planet, and if you're not married, and if you're not thinking about children, you're not bringing kids onto the planet, so you're not populating it. That's one way of, uh, um, well, it's not depopulating the planet, but it's one way of making sure that the population is reduced. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's um, and, and here's the interesting uh-huh. thing about this, population control. They still say all of the people in the world can fit into Texas. <laughs> when you, you know, it's funny. When you, when I you, can believe you, that. Huh? It, it's, I can it's interesting. So, yeah, it, it's, it's interesting because when you fly and you look out the window, most of the time the vast majority of what you see is land. True that. You, you don't see you don't see you don't see uh, like uh, a density of people you don't until you get to a city or a city center the vast majority of of, of this earth is when you <laughs> when you go to Africa most of Africa is really uninhabited the vast hmm. majority of it mm-hmm. there's nothing but land 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 as far as you can see and no people until you get to a village small village or you get to it's mainly just wide open there's more than enough room. Mm. There's more than enough yeah. room. No, there's not more than enough room. And the reason is because you need to have room to walk around without feeling that you're cramped up. You need to have room there's for There's more than enough room, Joe. If there's I'm not you more in, than enough I, room. You know why? I'm explaining it to you. It's because if just because you have land doesn't mean it has to be populated by people. There has to be land that isn't populated by people for industrial sites. You also can't have people crammed in like rats. They did an experiment. They took mice, and they put it, I forget how many, a thousand, a couple of thousand or so, and they put, it in, they put them into one space, right? And the rats started killing each other. You have to have... Certain you, don't, you don't need rats for that experiment. You can just go to to to, to Brooklyn or somewhere <laughs> like I, where I grew up. Like it, it's you're very it's very true when you pile people on top. What I'm saying is mm-hmm. when you get outside those city centers, there's plenty of room. I drive from if I drive from here, if I drive from where I am to the next largest city going to the west. Mm-hmm. I'm basically just going to be seeing nothing. 
But that for doesn't mean, of, yeah. Look. Hundreds of miles. Now, that doesn't mean you need to fill it up with people. But what I'm saying is there's plenty of room. But there still and means people, development. And people who don't, and people who don't, who, let's say that this whole global warming thing is real. Let's just say it is. The people who didn't contribute it should not have anything to do with solving it. And people that's in a village out in the middle of nowhere in Africa should not have to do one thing. They've been living that way for thousands of years probably, almost. Let's say it's in a very rural area. They have their traditions. They've been living the same. They haven't done anything. They haven't produced any cars. They don't have any manufacturing plants. They don't have anything. They haven't. They didn't do anything to start this thing, and they shouldn't have to do anything to help solve it. When you come to the United States and you have everything, you have manufacturing plants, industrial this, this and that and the other. They shouldn't have to do nobody, you know, if you're in a rural Cambodia or something, you shouldn't have to do anything different. Just live your life the way you've been living it thousands of years because this is not your problem and you didn't start it and you didn't contribute to it. You just have been living the same way you've been living for many, 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 many years. That's it. Now, the people who consume, they should have to do something. Hmm. That sounds good the in theory. In Europe, Europe and the United States, the people in the United States and Europe, they if they want to um, solve the problem in China too, if they want to solve the problem, they need to do. They need to be doing the sacrificing. This so is the not United going States to in the people. last fifteen years has lowered their emissions, their um, carbon that, dioxide, that, and that that and that's fine. But that but that should not in any way affect anybody in a poor third world nation at all. Yeah, they I should not be expected yeah. to give up anything. They've been living I, the same way for thousands yeah. of years. They haven't messed mess with anybody. They haven't gone any invaded anybody, had any war. They've just been living their life, and they should be allowed to continue to live their life the way they have been living. That's uh, my only thing. Yeah, um, I happen to agree in theory with what you're saying, but at the same time, who's, who's imposing that kind of um, climate change um, restrictions on them? Oh, this is being proposed. Oh, yeah. I mean, I don't know if you've seen the documentation, but just <laughs> talking about slapping a whole lot of people in the face, especially poor people. They're gonna have to. They're gonna have to uh, sacrifice quite a bit, right? Hmm. Um, so, so my my thing is that, you know, we just have to be. I, I just don't like the way this is going. I don't like the way this whole thing is going. Personally, I just don't. Hmm. That's interesting. I think we've seen. I think we've seen this movie before. If I just put it that way, a little bit, not oh, not quite okay. like this. <laughs> This is the advanced version, but I think mm. we've seen that movie like this before. Of course we have. We have. And, no, you know, and, and interest, it's interesting you mentioned that because I was just sitting here thinking, so why would your request make, you know, have them do something? And I thought about what resources, you know, do they have in their, on their land or country, what have you? Because usually that's the only time, especially the United States, get involved with any country. It's a resource that they want. And you know, I mean that's my, I mean that's, that's my theory anyway. <laughs> so you know, if they don't have any resources, they're pretty much safe. But if they got something that's you know, yeah. precious, yeah, yeah. The United yeah. States gonna try and force them to do something. You know, as as well as the world, because it only takes one country to to 
to do something and everybody else stands up and, and pays attention, especially when it comes to resources like China and Africa. United States done got in Africa, but China China's building uh, roadways and infrastructure all over uh, uh, Africa. But you don't hear anything about it. But the United States is over there with them in a, in a uh, lower level type of way. So it's interesting. But I got a couple of more callers who want to come in. So let me get them here quick. Hello, Maze. Uh, <laughs> all right. Who have you? Uh, Maze isn't here yet, I don't oh, think. Good. But I'm sure she's going to follow me once she hears my voice. Hey, Sarge. Hey, okay. how, you What's doing, up, Sarge? Sarge? how you doing, Joe? Yeah, thank God. <laughs> doing good. What's up? Oh, man. I see uh, what you got on the plate on your show today, man. Unfortunately, I just tuned in, so I don't know if you've already spoken about Derek Chauvin or not, or, uh, you know, what's going on in that trial. Yes, I did, but you can give me your quick synopsis of it. (laughs) Well, I'm telling you something. Based on, I've been watching much of the trial. I've read some of the trial transcripts. And I think now I have a basis from which to speak, uh, and it ain't going that good for the prosecution. It really isn't. Oh, really? Oh. Uh, not at all. Oh. I mean, maybe the mainstream media is trying to make it look like they're killing it. But anybody who has the discernment to tell what is actually being introduced as evidence in trial that is conclusive and ones that don't would know better. Now, the jurors might be swayed by the threats of extortion, intimidation, and violence, and that might cause them to vote for guilty because they're just gutless. And I don't blame them. They didn't sign up for this thing or volunteer for it. They got essentially drafted into it. I don't blame them. But I'm saying, based upon what I see, there is certainly, at the very least, room for reasonable doubt. Okay, so... You wait, hold on, Joe. Wait a minute, hold okay. on, Joe. Okay. Sarge, uh, go a little go a little further into that. What what is it that you see that is that is presenting reasonable doubt in your opinion? All right, for instance, now they call up this 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 goofball firefighter uh, EMT named Genevieve Hansen, and uh, she gets in the courtroom. She's telling all the things she would have done. You know, and I'm not trying to denigrate the woman. She is a certified firefighter, but she's been on job for one year. And she gets up there telling on the prosecution all the things she would have done had she been allowed to run the situation. And the things she said she would have done, the cops did. What the cops did was to call an ambulance. They called for medication. She said she would have checked for pulse. Bystanders and witnesses that the prosecution called said they saw the officers check for George Floyd's pulse several times while he was still talking and still breathing before he died. They, uh, they also had, um, um, let's see, uh, uh, a use of force instructor named Lieutenant Johnny Mercer, another officer named Nicole McKenzie, who was the Minneapolis Police Department's medical support coordinator. And both of them, and these are prosecution witnesses, mind you. Now, did you hear what I just said, brother? Prosecution witnesses. And both of them said it would be appropriate to not provide medical care to a suspect who had just been fighting with officers or in the presence of a hostile crowd. Now, I'm not saying that I even agree with that. Mm -hmm. I'm simply saying that's what the prosecution witnesses testified to. Now, you had both of those circumstances with Chauvin. Remember, you had the the, the bouncer and the MAA chokehold expert who didn't know what he was talking about. 
uh, berating the officers, calling Chauvin a fucking bum, a bitch, a fucking pussy-ass bitch. And then he threatened Officer uh, Two Tiles, saying, I swear I'll slap the fuck out of both of you. And then it was a lovely Genevieve Hansen screaming, I have your name tag, bitch. And, I did, and then there's, there's the prosecution witnesses testifying to things like this. That ain't all. It's so much. Sarge, Sarge, hold on before you get Hold on, hold on, hold on, Sarge, Sarge. Hold on, I don't want you to get aneurysm or nothing, heart attack. You know, you're getting caught up there. You ask me for, okay. for facts. Okay. Well, let me ask you a question here on one of those facts. So you believe that the crowd of six, seven now, people I were threatening? I just what was given on, at, uh, on the testimony. Listen, I, I know. I'm asking you a question based, based on that. So do you believe that the crowd that had assembled was threatening besides the name calling? Do you really believe they were threatening at that time? The expert witnesses called by the prosecution said that it amounted to that. They did. They did. And the officers were on the scene, and that was their assessment, apparently. Okay. So, I mean, I'm just saying, man, the prosecution called witnesses to the scene who testified to that. The prosecution's witnesses saying it would have been appropriate for them not to attempt medical procedure and to concentrate on the security, uh, concentrate on the crowd to ensure they didn't attempt to harm the officer or free the suspect. Okay. Now, that's what they said. Now, I, like I told you earlier, I don't know if I necessarily agree with that or not. I think you have a duty as a police officer to do everything you can to maintain the life and safety of someone you have in their custody. That's my belief. However, this is what they were testifying to in court, and that was the prosecution. And wait a minute. We continually overlook and say, and that's what bugs me most about this case. People who are convinced Chauvin is absolutely guilty beyond any consideration, other consideration whatsoever, that they repeatedly ignore the medical fact. The people tell us we're always supposed to follow the science of a medical examiner, and it's, this is undisputed by the uh, a family's own medical examiner. At least this fact is this fact is maybe not the cause of death, but this is that that he had in his body, in his system. 11 nanograms per milliliter of fentanyl. And it is medically accepted that a dose of 300 nanograms per milliliter is a fatal overdose. He had literally more than 300% the normal fatal overdose, which, of course, they try to explain away by saying he built up a tolerance. Uh, he built up a tolerance. And that's it. But 300% over well, 300% yeah, I mean, more of a tolerance combined with the fact that he had adrenaline and cortisol undoubtedly circulating through his bloodstream as a result of his utter panic over being arrested, his excited delirium that caused an already diseased heart and circulatory system to be wildly overstressed beyond the fatal levels of drugs, and of course, None of that could possibly even if even indirectly impinged upon his death. That's what bugs me most about this. Well, you bring up a good point, Sarge. Damn good point. And when it defense, well, when it's the turn huh? when it comes time for the defense, I'm sure they're gonna bring that up and they're going to say even without the the knee on the neck, the exertion, the adrenaline, the anxiety could be enough at that particular time to cause his death. Mm. And not only that, Charlie McMillan 
one of the witnesses bought by the prosecution testified to seeing foam coming out of Floyd's mouth. Now, remember what we have, knowing what we know of George Floyd's physical condition and his complaints that he couldn't breathe when he was standing up. Foam coming out of the mouth is a sign of a pulmonary, pulmonary edema. In other words, yeah, but, uh, the, 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 the collapse of the okay. circulatory system. Okay. This witness, a civilian, said he saw foam coming out of his mouth. And it's also on, consistent with a drug overdose. Hold on, Sarge. Hold on. Go ahead, Patrick. Here's the thing. If somebody, let's say that somebody was drunk, right, and there was something about what they were drinking, they, they were drunk or whatever, and there was something about what they were doing that I got into a scuffle with them. They pushed me on the sidewalk. We got into a scuffle. I, I punched, I knocked them out, and then I knocked their head. They fall down and bust their head, and they die. The fact, and, and, they, and they, they go through their blood and say, well, they were drunk, so it kind of made it easier for them to die. Does that mean that I'm off the hook? Because, I mean, they would have been fine had I not done what I did. George Floyd would have been fine with all of those things that, that you just said. All right. Here's, here's, the, here's the conundrum him, here, though. Back, put his hands behind his back, put him in the car, no knee on the neck, that wasn't necessary. He was necessary. on the ground because they couldn't get him in the car. His resistive behavior rendered it impossible to get a six-foot-four man, very strong, by, even though he had these health problems, he had been yeah, see, an athlete. Now, there a semi, we go. Well, let me finish now. He'd been a semi-professional <laughs> athlete before yeah, he was a real rookie. He was an uh-huh. immensely strong man, six feet, five uh-huh. inches tall, 230 well, pounds, and he was rigid. He would not go into the car. They couldn't close the door. That's why they took him out of the car. Now, here's where they messed up, I think. I think once they had him on the ground, they should have taken what I used to carry in my squad car, a set of hobbles, get his legs bent up and hogged him, and then put him back in the car. I don't know if they had hobbles or not, but since my squad car always had them, that's what I would have done. Or, failing that, Hoping this might get through his drug-addled uh, uh, brain, I would have tried a pain-compliance hold on him using a pressure point technique in the mastoid process, the brachial uh, uh, arm area or whatever, to make him feel pain enough so he would comply with my orders. They didn't try that. They just tried to wrestle did they, with him. Did they, did they, um, did they tase him? What? They, 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 they didn't tase him. Tasers frequently don't work. I really hate tasers. They have such a high but, failure rate. Uh, I don't, you see, the reason they went to tasers is because of Rodney King, and they wanted to stop using batons. See, every time they try to come with a solution, and it ain't perfect, oh, we got to stop doing that, we got to go to something else. Now we got this woman, this woman copper in Minneapolis, Brooklyn Park, Minneapolis, whatever, She's supposed to be going for her taser. She pulls out her gun instead. Now, I know the protocol is you don't wear your taser on the same side as your firearm, okay? Apparently, she either did or she just reached for her firearm being in a panic. I don't know. I just don't know. We've got to ask her first. But whatever, 
Instead of going for her taser, she went for a firearm and shot this bastard, who, who by the way, was resisting arrest. Okay, we're going to come back to that one. Go ahead and finish what you were saying first, Patrick. Oh, and so, you we know, I don't come. like tasers either. I'd rather use a baton, frankly. It had better, it had better results I, I, for me. Right. Okay. Um, I, I just there's some conflicting things in what what he just presented about how strong he was. Oh, he's as strong as a bull. And then when he when they Did kill you see him, the tape? oh, you but see he the had video? so many drugs in his system. That's why he Did died. Did you see the I'm video? Like, I did. Hold I on, Sarge. Sarge. Hold on, Sarge. Go ahead, I'm Patrick. just saying, you see, I mean, so you're saying all this good to me because he was all in drugs. You need to watch the tape, else understand what I'm the saying? whole 23. Okay, all right. Go ahead, Patrick. No, does anybody else understand what I'm saying? You don't have to mute him. I mean, I, I'm done. I just wanted to know if what I'm saying way off base or... Um, no, but what you're saying, Patrick, doesn't really refute what Sarge was saying. Because what Sarge was saying, because of the amount of fentanyl that was already in the system, that even though he may, um, you know, he was even if he weren't um, a victim of the neck of the uh, the knee on the neck, it's possible since there was foam coming out of his mouth. And I wanted to ask Sarge if the foam was being seen before he got on the ground, or when he was on the ground, or before we got uh, before they uh, tried to get him into the car. Or, or I heard people say that he was in the car and they dragged him out. I don't know what the situation is on that. He, he was. That's why everybody needs to watch the yeah. whole video. He was in the these car. Questions are answered. Oh, he was in the George car. He Mitchell, was. Okay. The Wait a minute. Hold on. Hold on, Sarge. Hold on, Sarge. Hold on, Sarge. Okay, he was in the car. But when they put him in the car, he was saying he couldn't breathe. He claustrophobic. So, yes. And that's when the struggle ensued. And that's when they pulled yes. him out the other side. Yes. Okay. And that's when this, the struggle ensued. First they set him down. The next thing you know, he was laying down. Okay. Now. So they set him down on the curb before he went over to the squad car. Right. Right. But, Sarge, what I'm saying is, well, what I think Patrick's trying to say and what I'm thinking anyway, um, you know, even with all that, you know, now I watched the video over and over from different angles, what have you, and you said the the officers checked this post. They didn't check the post until the the uh, MTs got there. They didn't check the post any time before that. No, now they, one yes, guy mentioned, well, no one guy mentioned said, should we check the post? But they never checked the post. No, 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 no. The witnesses okay, on the right. scene. You got to remember every every single yes, thing the witnesses on the scene by because a, there was by the witnesses on camp. the scene. Sorry, the witnesses on the scene were saying, check his post, check his post. Even the 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 the, the firefighter that you dislike so much, she was even telling him, check the post, check his post. Uh, again, He's not moving. Check his post. Again. Two of the witnesses specifically said they checked his pulse. That's in the court transcript. Okay. Now, if All they right, were mistaken, okay, if they were mistaken, the body cam doesn't catch everything. Just like, you know, when, when they asked the police chief, the defense asked the police chief about camera perspective bias, and the police chief said he didn't know, and then they immediately ran the two tapes that showed at the same point in time, from one camera angle, it looks like he's got his knee on his neck, 
but from another angle, you can see that his knee is clearly on his shoulder blade. Now, the question is, how much of the time during the eight minutes was his knee on his shoulder blade or on his neck? Well, that's something that cannot be conclusively proven by the video cam. But we can see at some points, camera perspective bias may have created a, an, an illusion as to where his knee was. Okay. It happens all okay. the time filming movies when you throw a okay, punch at Sarge. someone and you okay, don't really hit Sarge. them. Remember, okay. the key here all is right, reasonable doubt. Okay. Okay, Sarge. Okay. All right. We get your points. All right. <laughs> we, we understand. But I, I just I want to say. I don't to deal with me because, you know, I mean, I just don't accept conventional wisdom. I just don't. Well, I'm not arguing your points. I mean, you know, as I say every time I watch it, I see something different. So I'm not arguing your point. It's always good to have a different point of view. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm not arguing your point. I'm saying. But anyway, wait a minute. When that, when the, when the, when the defense asked him, oh, does this appear to confirm the possibility of camera perspective bias? The police chief, a witness for the prosecution, had to agree with him because he was being—I got to admit—he was reluctant, but he was being truthful in his testimony. Okay, and he sorry. had to admit, okay. yes, it does appear to be that way. Okay. All right. Okay. I just want to okay, say this because I got the brain. I got the. I got the brain. Okay. Okay, Sarge. But you don't shut up either, Sarge. Oh, come on, man. I know. All right. You know, I mean, I know. We'd rather go with the narrative. Okay. Now, before I bring this other call in, under Minnesota law, the prosecution must prove only that Chauvin's conduct was one substantial causal factor to Floyd's death. Okay. It doesn't have to prove to say that it has to prove that his uh, um, actions alone did it, but that it was one of the factors. Well, it's a standard factor that they're saying. Yeah, yeah, Just, yeah. Was the main reason basically. So that's that's and you with that you just have to think nine minutes and twenty nine seconds. Nine minutes and twenty nine seconds. You know, did he have to have his knee on the neck or shoulder blade, whichever one you believe, for nine minutes and 29 seconds? Okay, so, but anyway, let me bring this call in. We run out of time here. All right, <laughs> Triple One, welcome to the show. Who do I have here? Talk to me. Oh, boy. Hello, Mr. Stop. Why didn't you pick me first? Hello. Hey, Maze. Oh, boy. See, didn't I, you, <laughs> didn't I tell you Friday that it wouldn't be hard to do because there's plenty of them out there like that? When their brain cannot connect to their eyes and their ears, that's what you get. Uh, and then, and all these people done testified, knowing their job, but when he used to be a cop, was I don't know how many years ago. And by the way, I listened to you last night and I didn't call. I heard your voice all night long, talking about nothing, as you normally do. So, Mr. Stark, what do you think about the cop, the, the man in the uniform that bent was a mace that was following orders? Hello? Eric, you there? All right, he had to go and get something, I guess. He's probably in the green room. Okay, I'm back. I'm back. Oh, okay. I don't know how I muted myself, but anyway. <laughs> you know, Mace, that's, 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 um, <laughs> I know, right? That's, um, that's, that's very interesting, Mace, because on one, on one, you know, looking at it, he said, I'm, a, I'm afraid to get out the vehicle. Okay. Now, um, the officers that were involved, I, I don't know whether they actually heard what he said or, or just ignored it, because I feel like that was a chance for the officer to 
just de-escalate that situation right there. Mm-hmm. No, but instead, they pulled out their weapons, and the one, you know, made his little couple of smart remarks. So, um, you know, it, it's interesting that, that the guy, he actually had on a uniform, military, his military uniform, and the guy mm-hmm. was like, you specialist or sergeant or, I mean, private or whatever was asking him, yeah. you know. Yeah, I know it was, but what I'm saying is, it was interesting that we have these so-called, everybody's talking about, you know, uh, um, worship the military or whatever, but they sure treated him in the worst way possible, <laughs> you know, for a country that loves the military. Now, was it, you know, but the question is, and I haven't read any further on this, you know, was this, did he not have any type of paperwork on his back tag plate? Or did he not have any? Because the original report was they stopped him because of um, tail light. I mean, his tail, his tag. He had yeah. no tag on the back. So um, I don't know. It'd be interesting to see. But you know, with that, it brings it brings me to. A, well, go ahead, Maze. Go ahead. It was on the it was on the windshield. They didn't ask him for yeah. his license or nothing. They just put they was had guns out on him when he say he came down the road. Then get on the spot, and he had his uh, uh, emergency brake lights on until he got to where he was going. They were hot about that now. And then this threat that this little talk, talking points that they got about uh, lightning and stuff, you know, like when it's like a little cold word that they got, like they, we, you you might die tonight. That's what it really was. The lightning, the lightning thing that they were saying. And I was saying like, okay, how can you take your, it's just about like George thinking this man killed himself because he's on drugs, and a cop just came along and put his foot on the net. How you gonna take your hands out? The co- to have your hands up and open the door at the same time, but keep your hands up. He was supposed to use his foot to open the door. Uh, what was he supposed to do? And then you get okay. <laughs> I'm glad you right. the camera on when you stop, so you can see and hear what they had to say. That vet man yeah. should have. They should put him in jail. He should be under you the jail. Now, now, not uh-huh. to be a cop. It's a, it's a police tactic. I've, I've seen them when I was younger. I've seen them do that before. What two police officers do is give you two conflicting orders. So whichever one you do, you're in the wrong. <laughs> whichever one you're doing, you're not complying. Yes, right. So like they say, put your hands out the window and open the door and get out. And let, But we got to see your hands at all times. See, this mm. is the kind of thing. So now whatever he does, he's not complying. Yeah. It's a trick. It's a trick. And they should be I could, I could pull Joe over and say, Joe, stick your hands out the window and open your car and give me your license. And well, then I'm going to your hands yeah. out at the same time. You're not following orders. You know, in that case, and, I get shot. Whatever Joe does, he's <laughs> not you think they're going to do? That's true. That was, I mean, what was it? That, all, right. Like, all right. All right, y'all. I'm bringing Sarge back in. You see, y'all asked this. Look, I got one more thing to say. Now, you know these people that have been fighting to try to get their land for 97 years. And they probably going to get it back out in Las Vegas. So yeah, I, 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 I saw that. Yeah. That's what a about it? That's a form of reparations. For them people yes, to get their, their life, lifestyle back. And you have people talking about reparations. They've been trying to get it for that many years. And other people have been using it and making money off of it. <laughs> <laughs> well, you think it's, you think it's still it? a fight. But they they they're gonna they gotta go through some procedures before they get it. But all those years they've been fighting. They think people are supposed to die off and then they but they multiplied. They didn't die. The family multiplied and multiplied and they kept it up. So what do you think about that, gentlemen? 
I didn't hear about it, but um, what's what's the point you're trying to make? I think it's a form of reparation for them because they right. taken away and they okay. still have part of it, but they use other parts to make money off of. When they were making money, to just took um, Well, if it comes to um, if you're talking about Connecticut, from what I understand from years ago, is that and yes, like, uh, is that the the casinos are in their name, but they don't run it. No, not casinos. I'm saying land. Oh, the land. Well, they had the beachfront land that they had, and they would make, they would they had their own business on it, and oh, they really? just took. Yes, they did. Oh, okay. And it's a lot of yeah. and it's a lot of little towns like that that they did. That That's they, well, so I hope the other ones do the same thing and get their reparations where their parents worked hard and paid for that land and did the things that they needed to do, but it was taken away from them and they couldn't do nothing about it. Well, Central Park in New York Grandma was like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, yeah. So I mean, that's something that was done back then. I'm glad there, there. You know, there is talk of them getting that land back, but like you said mm-hmm. before, you know, it's going to be a fight. It, it's mm-hmm. definitely going to be a fight. Um, well, yeah, but back to the, to the to the back to the guy, you know, and y'all talked about it already. Um, the the the, the military guy. Uh-huh. Yeah, the military guy. Y'all said already he was quote unquote um, not following directions. And, you mm-hmm. know, they, they use that as the excuse. You know, it's interesting because I was doing a little reading and researching and stuff. Do you know in some states and cities, if you have a, a, a you know, those deodorant trees hanging in your car, you know you can be pulled mm-hmm. over for that? You can be pulled over for that. Really? Yes. It's called, in some states like um, Illinois and Minnesota, obstruction of the, you know, windshield. And the officer... Mm-hmm. You know, it's up to the officer's discretion. That's how the kid. That's, how, that's supposedly what happened to the kid. The kid that got and and there have been court rulings, and there have been actually court rulings that say, even though the officer may have made a mistake as far as the law when he pulled you over, he still mm-hmm. necessarily doesn't have to be held responsible. You know, and I'm like, wow. But you know, that's why I say sometimes you have to pay attention to the law. Because just that right there, mm-hmm. the officer's um, interpretation, he get you pulled yeah. over and shot. Or uh, sentence prison or prison time. Go ahead, Mays, real quick. Well, I'm happy that the young man got to live because he didn't have to follow orders but he can't, because you can't do all of that at one time. So I'm glad he got the opportunity to live, and I'm glad he sued them, but he should have got more than a million dollars. And he should be able to sue them, too, and put them in jail at the same time. But they don't need to be on the street being on. Who got a million dollars? He sued for a million dollars. Oh, okay. Obviously, because mm-hmm. I know they haven't settled with him that fast. No, no, no. He sued for a million, but I would have sued for more than a million. No, oh, okay. Well, those, who knows? Yeah, he might get more than that. Maybe he got a lawyer that that can go further than one million. <laughs> yeah, I mean, everybody's <laughs> yeah, getting like twenty million, so he might as well get a million, huh? <laughs> Maybe Maze would like to help yeah. out there. <laughs> yeah. But you know what, Maze? It's kind of hard because he's still breathing, so he may not get no more than a million. He's still breathing. So. Yeah, I know. But anyway, as <laughs> I, I say, hate to say they, it like that. They should, go to, they should go to them unions and them boards and all of them and clean all those things. That's, that's them, that, they do those cops that keep doing the same thing over and over again because they have records too, but you don't never see their records. You see the person they killed or the person they harmed. We don't never see what that record is or how many people they don't harm and kill and got away. True that. True that. That's what needs to be stopped. Not no defunding. That's what needs to stop. Take it away from them. Sue them too. 
But I'm finished. Tell Sarge to give us the explanation of why that man uh, got got maced. I guess he hit the policeman and then they maced him in his face for that. <laughs> uh, Sarge, did you hear the question? You want to answer right, that before I, I get out of here? Speak now. Yeah, you can speak now. All right, here we go. I'm not saying that the police officers may not have been overbearing and completely inappropriate when they gave conflicting orders. Now, I hope you heard me. No matter, at the moment of confrontation, it is incumbent, especially upon an Army officer who should understand the meaning of a lawful, if stupid, order to comply with that order as best he can and sort out the wrongdoing afterward. His behavior was just about as silly as any of those officers, particularly when he told them he did not have to get out of the car for a traffic violation when they ordered him to. Now, would you care to venture as to how many stupid but lawful orders that this officer has given or will give in his military career? I would hazard more than just a few. Yet he would expect those orders to be obeyed, and he might even consider recommending a court-martial or an Article 15 for a subordinate who did not obey him. Now, look, even the best officers I've served under, and I mean I served under some damn good ones, occasionally gave stupid, ill-considered orders, but they still were to be obeyed. And that's what it says in Illinois Compiled Statutes, Chapter 38, you don't even have the right under the law to resist Sorry. an unlawful arrest. When, when he had his hands out the window and they told him to get out of the car, what should he have done? Should he, they said, but we want to see your hands I don't time. understand you, officer. What do you want me to do? He's an officer in the United States Army. I really expect better conduct than that from an officer. I just do. That's why they have a commission. Mm, mm. I could so, go so, so far with that statement. And you know what? He, I, if I was a CEO, I would call his ass in on the carpet and give him either a reprimand or some other sanction for acting like a damn fool. Wait a minute. So, Let's so back up for awesome. a minute. Wait, wait a minute. Hold on for a minute, Patrick. I see where you go, but hold on. Sarge, so when this guy looks and said, I'm afraid to get out the car, okay, why the officers still got their weapons drawn on the man? Shouldn't you think they should have tried to de-escalate the okay. whole situation? Uh, you know, I, I said, I, I think I made it clear that I thought some of their actions were inappropriate and overbearing. Okay. Perhaps having their guns out on them was one of them. Maybe not. I wasn't there. But I will, I'm willing to give you that one. But nonetheless, okay. they repeatedly, I lost <laughs> count of the number of times they told him to get out of the car. And him telling he's playing jailhouse lawyer with them on the scene, telling them they don't have the right to tell him to get out of the car. It was a lot of stupid uh, on display that night from the police and from his stupid ass. Does <sighs> sound like a man who didn't want to die, but, you know. Uh-huh. Okay, yeah. whatever. I was about Look, to say I, that again, myself. If I was a CEO, he'd be on my carpet in my office. I'd be letting okay. him say, hey, you, Lieutenant, are subject to the UCMJ 24 hours a day, everywhere in the world, no matter where you go. And that includes conduct becoming, unbecoming an officer, Article 134 of the UCMJ. You did not comport yourself in the manner expected of an officer in the United States Army. Okay, well, you know what? We're we going to leave it right there because I ain't listening to Sergeant Salt, my boys, like that. 
You know, no, I mean, the lieutenants, they don't have that much brains, but I think they're all right, you know, to a certain point. I don't think, you know, it was that dramatic. To, no, no, Sarge. No, I can't go with you on that one. <laughs> all right, anyway, I got to get up out of here. We got about two minutes left, so we're going to let that be him and May's last words um, because that's enough to think about alone to keep you up all night. All right. <laughs> Joe, what you got for me here? We got about a minute left. All right. Everybody just be safe, be cool, be calm, and um, especially be safe. And um, I'll see you next week, hopefully. Yep, hopefully. You have a good one. All right, so, y'all, that's going to do it for me. Um, Y'all continue to follow the trial. Hey, y'all heard some of the things Sarge said, so I got to go back and review because some of the stuff he said I don't remember seeing. And yeah, I'm going to go back and look. I, y'all know if I'm wrong, I admit I'm wrong. So we're going to go back and take a look at that. Um, Pinky, you got to get here a little earlier from now on. Um, so I'm going to go back and look and see what we have going on with that. Other than that, man, that's it. Gmail at Eric Let's Talk. Um, Instagram, Eric Let's Talk. Facebook, Eric Let's Talk. And, yeah, those are all the ways you can talk to me. I mean, get in touch with me during our, throughout the week, Okay. Um, also remember, keep smiling, show appreciation, forgive with open heart, but make sure you forgive yourself first. And the biggest, best thing, learn to laugh at yourself. You can laugh at yourself. Everything else is just gravy. All right. So with that being said, I'm going to take you out of here today with some Lucas Graham. The name of this song is called seven years. And man, I, this is a very deep song. If you have, I mean, this is a deep song. If you listen to the words of what he's saying, whoo, it makes you think about some things. But anyway, until next week, man, y'all be good. Enjoy life. Live it to the fullest as much as you can. And uh, we see you next week. Y'all have a good one. We're out of here. Mama told me, go make yourself some friends or you'll be lonely Once I was seven years old It was a big, big world, but we thought we were bigger Pushing each other to the limits, we were learning quicker By eleven, smoking herb and drinking burning liquor Never rich, so we were out to make that steady figure Once I was 11 years old, my daddy told me Go get yourself a wife or you'll be lonely Once I was 11 years old I always had that dream like my daddy before me So I started writing songs, I started writing stories Something about that glory just always seemed to bore me Cause only those I really love will ever really know me Once I was 20 years old, my story got told Before the morning sun when life was lonely Cause I know the smallest voices, they can make it major I got my boys 
with me, at least those in favor. And if we don't meet before I leave, I hope I'll see you later. Once I was 20 years old, my story got told. I was frightened about everything I saw before me. Once I was 20 years old. Soon we'll be 30 years old. Our songs have been sold. We've traveled around the world and we're still roaming. Soon we'll be 30 years old. About life, my woman brought children for me, so I can sing them all my songs and I can tell them stories. Most of my follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Bye-bye. <laughs> it is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.